Written on the pages of the great book of nature lies a truth so profound that it has beckoned men and women throughout the ages to seek its wisdom. We will continue this quest and study many stories of humanity as we search for this light. On this journey, we will examine philosophy, religion, and science to uncover the hidden mysteries behind myth and legend using the symbols of universal Freemasonry. Welcome to Legends of the Craft. Welcome back to Legends of the Craft. I'm here with my co-hosts, Brother Axel Savari. It's wonderful to be here with you again, Matthias. Today's a special occasion. We have one of our favorite brothers from the Orient of Dallas, Texas, Brother Dennis Garza. Happy to finally be here with you guys. So Brother Dennis is coming to us from Texas, Brother Matthias, and I was hoping that in honor of our guest's uh, origin that we could talk a little bit about freedom and liberty, and what that means for the craft today. I think that's a great topic, so let's get right into it. Brother Dennis, would you like to kick this one off? Absolutely. When I think about freedom, I always think about Bertrand Russell. When he talks about freedom, what is freedom? Freedom from authority, freedom from tradition. And then the third one, which I think is probably the most difficult one for us to really recognize in our lives, is freedom from the tyranny of our own passions. So what does that actually mean, guys? Why don't we get started with uh, there's, tyranny? There's so much to no, jump not tyranny. Into. No, no, no. Let's start with authority. Let's start with authority. Let's start with authority. We'll make our way down. Let's start from the physical and move to, to the, the higher spiritual. planes. <laughs> so the freedom from authority, to me, has been at the center of masonry since it started. Well, maybe not since it started, but like if you think of what Freemasonry was doing throughout history. I mean, we were on the front lines, the barricades of the revolutions of, of the Enlightenment, right? We were tearing down old systems of authority that no longer served the people and establishing new systems of government, new systems of living that previously like weren't even imaginable to the to the mind living under a monarchy to imagine a constitutional republic guided by masonic principles is such a leap that it almost had to be manufactured by people that could see that vision. But are these new systems not just new systems of authority? Certainly, but I mean, the system of authority that we live under today is far more pleasant to live under than the system of authority that the people that came from England to colonize you know, the New World lived under, or perhaps the people that lived under the monarchs in Spain, under the Inquisition. It's, a, it's an improvement. I agree. It's not nearly perfect, but it's definitely better. Well, I kind of look at it in a different way. I think, Masonically speaking, that the forefathers of, of the American Revolution, of the French Revolution, what they were aiming at was replacing it with a new system, but ultimately their goal was to replace it with no system. We are gradually incubating humanity to the point of each man being his own king, being his own ruler. And when I say men, I mean men and women too, but I'm using it in the capital M sense. Well, I think they they envision something, not necessarily a complete absence of systems, because obviously many of them were Masons, and Masonry is very systematic, it's hierarchical, it's organized. But the keynote of Masonry is that everybody joins of their own free will and accord. It's a system that's organized by free choice. You know, all the systems that they saw at the time and all the systems that we live under are not systems of free choice. 
You know, everybody is subject to the whims of the leadership of the patch of dirt they happen to be born on. You know, that's not a voluntary system. Freemasonry is a voluntary system of authority that functions very well, precisely, I think, because people come to it of their own free will and accord. And I would agree. I think that is something that they had hoped that they would be able to craft. But I don't think that the uh, I don't think the 18th century mind was quite ready for that just yet. Brother Axel, I can't argue any of those points because that was the point I was trying to make. Nevertheless, I got a question for both of you. Is there a difference between liberty and freedom? And if so, what is it? Well, Brother Matthias, I think freedom, as we think of it, is, is it's a cheaper term than liberty. Liberty, to me, is a pure form of what we're trying to express when we say the word freedom. Because, like... If, like when you hear the word freedom, how is it used among in your like daily conversation? Oh, I want the freedom to do this, the freedom to do that, the freedom to do this. To me, freedom isn't about being able to do certain things. It's not about being free from restrictions. And I think liberty is what we're getting at. Liberty to me is the ability of a human being to make a free choice. We all have restrictions laid upon us. We all have things we can't do. You know, I'm not nine feet tall. I can't rock climb very well. That doesn't mean I'm not free. I'm free because I have liberty. My liberty is I have the ability to make a choice no matter what circumstance is put in front of me, whether I'm in a prison camp, whether I'm four feet tall, whether I'm eight feet tall, whether I'm black, brown, white, fat, skinny, it doesn't matter. I can still have a volitional choice over how I'm reacting to all these things. How I'm living my life is still a free choice, despite my many limitations. So I guess what you're saying is that you always have liberty. Even if you don't have freedom from authority, you do have liberty. That's a, that, I, you've nailed it, Brother Dennis. Freedom is temporary and conditional. Liberty is constant. We all possess liberty at all times. Our freedoms might change. I disagree with both of you. I think that liberty is a political condition. Liberty, we have liberties or we don't have liberties in our society or in the Chinese society or in the Russian society. Freedom is something that cannot be taken from us. Freedom is the choice you're talking about. So one is something that is internal and one is that external. Liberty is external. Freedom is internal. And that's kind of how I viewed the two terms, you know, juxtaposed to one another. And... We don't need liberty to be free, but certainly does help when we live in a society where we can maximize our potential. Sure, I think we're both. I, I think we're flipping the terms, but we're both saying that there is a constant freedom or constant liberty and a conditional freedom or liberty, something that can be granted to you or taken away, de- depending on how your government is structured, how your system of authority is structured. You know, there, there's that kind of lesser freedom, like the lesser and greater mysteries, there's lesser and greater freedom. Well, I think that's why the U.S. Constitution says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The government can't give you freedom. You can only give freedom to yourself, but, the, but the, a government can give you liberty. I think this is an excellent conversation about the difference between freedom and liberty because when we look at these three different ideas that Bertrand Russell is putting forward, freedom from authority, freedom from tradition, and freedom from the tyranny of your own passions, I think we see that split in these three. To me, those first two fall under what Brother Matthias is calling liberty. And the third, freedom from the tyranny of your own passions, is what the true freedom is. That's delicious, Brother Dennis. That's really delicious. So 
I think if we can if we can agree to that, then well, actually, let me back up. I agree with it, but I think tradition being in the middle is fifty mm. percent of each. It's fifty percent freedom. It's fifty percent liberty because traditions are rooted in society, but they're also kind of rooted in our own sort of, I don't know, in our own psyche, right? I, don't, I mean, maybe I'm well, just because making that up. They, they get agreed to. You know, every every tradition is maintained by the acceptance of the people that follow it. You know, and, and that's why traditions, I think, take longer to change than than policy or or the. The to me that the government is like it's the edifice of a society, but it's not a society. Like the government is kind of the window dressing on a society. The society to me is really composed of traditions, right? And traditions are formed, I think, by people that are fighting against the tyranny of their own passions. Like the traditions of Rome, for example, were formed by by a, a small group of people that were fighting against certain aspects of their personality. They became a very conquest-oriented society because they had conquered a certain portion of their personality that drove them in a certain way. So the tradition is more of a base of a society than the government is. To me, the authority systems, they're so fleeting, they're so temporary, and they can change on a dime. So what I'm seeing here that you're saying is you have to have freedom from authority first in order to have the freedom to tradition. And then when you've evolved to that, then you want freedom from tradition and you can begin to work on freedom from the tyranny of your own passions. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's, it's, it's you know, if we look at it, we have a physical body, we have an emotional body, and we have a mental body. It's sort of the same thing. You have, if you don't have physical discipline, you're not going to be disciplining your emotions or your mind. It starts with the body. Therefore, in this analogy here, it starts with the state. It's the first veneer. It's the first level. It's the outer expression. It's the, it's the thing that we can see. And, you know, I think this is why people get so disappointed when government can't answer their problems. I mean, our society today is a perfect picture of the fact that people can't accept that the government is not what's going to solve your fundamental issues with reality. Like that's on the third step. That's the tyranny of your own passions, right? So you have to get past this. To me, the, the authority part is the flimsiest like outer shell. It's, it's the easiest one to break, right? And the other two are much, much harder to escape from tradition and from your own passions. I mean, that's something that you fight your entire life. But authority, like you can fairly easily get out of that shell. It's interesting that you're saying that because now I'm seeing this kind of turned on its head. And if we focus on the work of finding freedom from the tyranny of our own passions, it's almost automatic that it will flower into a freedom from tradition and a freedom from authority as well. And if you look at masonry, what is it doing essentially? It's breaking down these three. Through the first, second, and third degree, we're literally subduing each of these. I think in the first degree, we're looking at a subjugation of, of authority. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, no, no. Here's an organization that's international. It's above flags. It's above authority. And it's beginning to show you that you can be your own authority. In the second degree, we use knowledge in order to combat superstition. Because to me, tradition and superstition are essentially the same thing. Well, they're side by side. The, well, because I think one turns into the other. Yeah, tradition tradition turns into is a useful superstition, and superstition is a tradition that's no longer useful. Exactly. And then in the third degree, what are we doing? Well, we're overcoming our greatest fear, and through that, we have subdued ourselves.
the passion within. And you know, Brother Matias, this really is like the central kind of point of Freemasonry. Like, what is the first question that we're asked in the first degree? What is your purpose in Freemasonry? To subdue your passions and improve and make a daily advancement in your Masonic knowledge. We are on this path. We are climbing this ladder that you just laid out. But the problem here is this is completely opposite from what Brother Matthias just brought up. So in the first degree, you were saying that we're trying to battle or find freedom from authority. But in the first degree, what we're really doing is finding freedom from the tyranny of our own passions. I can't disagree, but I kind of see it a little differently, Brother Dennis, because we're being taught in the first degree that our goal is to subdue our passions and improve ourselves in masonry. But that is our mission in masonry that's in all degrees so we begin that journey right at the commencement of being an apprentice but then the degrees are teaching us how to to remove those layers so i think it's both so it's kind of a foreshadowing right <laughs> exactly it's 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 our destiny well it's it's kind of a weird like parallel task right because like what what w- if you were seeking to undo a tyrannical system of authority what kind of people would you want with you to do that? You'd want people that had freed themselves from the tyranny of their own passions. Like you, it, you can't do the outer without doing the inner, but you also can't do the inner without having that translate naturally into wanting to do the outer work. Like if you're freeing yourself from your own passions and, and by doing so, all of these misconceptions and superstitions that you've been raised with are starting to fall away, I mean, I would think, and certainly it was the case for me, I suspect it was the case for you, Brother Matias, and Brother Dennis, as a native of Texas, I'm sure it was the case for you. Uh, how would you not start to also question the worldly systems of authority, right? Because in Freemasonry, we're given such a perfect vision of what a system of authority can do, what it can do for human beings. And why would we also not want to direct our energies outwards towards the systems of authority that we can clearly see are failing all around us? So, again, I think this is my third time agreeing with you, Brother Axel, but (laughs) it still leaves the question of how do we do that? We're talking about all these grand concepts and ideals. We're talking about overthrowing authority and tradition and, you know, the tyrant within. But how are we going to do that? Let's make this practical, gentlemen. Well, I think the first thing is to recognize that it's not going to be each individual an individual that does this like how many people have fantasies of single-handedly overthrowing the oppressive governments of the world a lot but i think one of the first things that freemasonry teaches us is that we're not working alone and that we have to look beyond ourselves that we're not going to be the saviors that liberate people single-handedly from tyranny and we we need to first start focusing on gathering support I love that you use the word recognition because I think that is the key here. But what we need to recognize is that there is a tyrant within ourselves. And that's the first recognition. That's the first practical step is to recognize that within yourself. If you can't make that recognition first, then there is no second step. Hence, the use of the chamber of reflection. We start our Masonic journey by entering a small chamber in which we must reflect upon ourselves. We're, we're looking into a mirror. So we are to identify the tyrant. We must see ourselves. And that is the symbol of the mirror, the ability to see oneself naked and for what one is. And if you can't start there, the rest of the journey is folly. So it's not only 
looking into a mirror and seeing yourself, but allowing to see yourself in other people as well, allowing everything around you to be that mirror. That's why we're blindfolded, I think, when we enter the ceremony of initiation. We're blindfolded because we can't see the truth in other people. We don't see ourselves. But once we've taken the steps from west to east, that hoodwink is removed. And behold, we now see everybody as a part of ourselves. And in that unity, we see flaw, we see glory, we see happiness, we see sorrow, we see everything as it should be. And it's only at that point that we can begin this journey of freedom. Well, I like the idea that you're bringing up symbolically of, you know, blinding the individual as they begin the ceremony. And as the ceremony is completed, they're only again allowed to see themselves as a, as a part of a collective. They, all, they are only allowed to see themselves within the lodge. Like there, there is no individual person anymore. I mean, there, there is, there's a, there's a person there, but they are a part of something bigger. And that's the first sight that you're reintroduced to, right? Is you among others that like you go into it in a state of ignorance because of your self-focus. And then when that hoodwink is removed, you see yourself as part of a group, as part of a larger thing. That's the first step to undoing a tyrannical society is reintroducing the concept of society as something that is harmonious, something that flows, something that you entered into of your own free will and accord. That's, it, it's really interesting what you brought up because you're being reborn into society. When we're born the first time, we're born into our individual lives. But when we're born in Freemasonry, we're born directly into society with a concept of a group collective that we're working to strengthen. And even more practical for me is to begin to start to look at your individual relationships, every relationship that you have. If you're looking at that same process uh, in the individual relationship and having the freedom in that individual relationship, where it's truly collaborative in nature, when you see yourself in the other individual and the other individual sees you in themselves, all of a sudden you're beginning that first step to see in that larger group that Brother Axel is talking about. When the blindfold is removed and there's this larger group, but there's still steps to get there. And the first step is to be able to do that in a single relationship and then in every single relationship that you have. This journey, I think many people believe, is one to remove uh, the superstitions, the dogmas, you know, the conditioning we received as children through our religion, through our families— and I think, yes, that does take place, but the freedom aspect of this is what we replace it with. Dogmas aren't bad. We need dogmas. The question is, will we use the dogmas that we were given as children, or will we choose new dogmas by our own free will and accord, things that we truly have come to by our own steps? So again, I don't think dogma's bad. I think... We just have to choose the dogmas that are a perfect fit with who we are. Well, I think that's kind of shown to us in the, in the seeming contradiction of Freemasonry being a structure of rigid authority and hierarchy. Like, how do we, how do we resolve that? Well, it's the idea that, like, once you get rid of something, you have to replace it. If in, in the building craft, like if you're going to build something 
and you're going to knock down a, a structure, well, you have to replace it with something. Otherwise, you've just destroyed. If you're going to build and there's something in the way, or if there's something that's blocking um, what you want to build, yes, you have to destroy it. But you then have to fill that space. Otherwise, you're not building. You're not engaged in the act of building. So I think that you're absolutely right. Like when we when we create this vacuum, that vacuum wants to be filled with something, and that's what Freemasonry is doing. It's it's taking away these old patterns of authority, of a tradition, of tyranny within yourself, and replacing it with properly properly founded authority, sensible traditions that are not based on superstition, and instead of tyranny within yourself, real leadership within yourself. Because Freemasonry has been, Freemasonry has been called um, like a generator or a, a, a school of leadership, but it, it does that by instilling the idea that there is a leader within you, and you have allowed it to become a tyrant. And, it's ty- and the first revolution to be fought is the one within your own soul. So it's almost like I'm trying, to, I'm trying to, to, to understand exactly what this means. And I'm thinking the freedom that we're really looking for is not freedom from this particular system or this authority. It's freedom from making that particular system or authority eternal, right? Or allowing it to become crystallized uh, in its own form. So like Brother Axel was talking about, it has to be destroyed. It's going to be destroyed. It's inevitably going to be destroyed. That's the natural law of how things work. But what do we replace it with? But even that thing that we replace it with, we have to be very careful that that thing in itself doesn't again become the tyrant. Well, that's why I think the first three degrees of masonry is not something you go through once, but you continuously go through in a cycle. First, second, third, first, second, third, first, second, third, first, second, third. We're in an endless cycle in which we remove all these things, replace them, and then we got to do it again and again and again. Because life isn't stagnant. It's not static. There's no end. It's something that we have to continuously do. And as we move maybe through space and time in this cycle, like let's say like a double helix, Maybe it gets easier, or maybe it gets harder. It's different each time, but yet it's the same. I would say, yeah, the constant is it gets different. I don't know if easy or hard is necessarily like the, the right way to think about it, but it's going to get different, but also be the same. Like the, the story of the first three degrees of masonry is timeless. It's eternal. You could take what is told in those three degrees and apply them to any period of history, whether it's the past, the present, or far into the future, and you're going to find those principles acted out again and again and again. It's the essential human story. And I would, I would completely agree that it's this ladder that we've talked about, the freedom from authority, the freedom from tradition, the tyranny of the freedom from the tyranny of your own passions. That's really describing a simplified version of the hero's journey which is, in my mind, a big portion of what the first three degrees of masonry are telling us. They're awakening the hero's journey within us, which I think is the double helix pattern that you're, that you're talking about. And I'm hoping what we would find is a more evolved journey each time around. Uh, and I think that's what we're looking for. So you get to the top of the winding staircase. And how many times do you see this? Someone gets there and they have this feeling like, I've arrived, right? Look at this amazing view. And then they don't want to give it up. They want to keep it. And because they want to keep it, because they're not willing to give it up and go through the more evolved cycle that is the next cycle, they end up losing it. It ends up, they die with the structure itself. 
Well, it's like the hero's journey. Like they're the essential part of the last quarter of the hero's journey is the return home. It's going back where you started, bringing what you found and and putting it back where it belonged, which is where you where you started in the first place. We do 33 degrees in masonry. And I think, well, why 33? Why not just three? And we just repeat those three. And I was just thinking while the two of you were talking, and both of you led me to the, to the realization that it's three times 11. And what's 11? It's chaos. 11's a number that people don't mess with too much. You know, we mess with sevens and threes and fives, and these are all great numbers. But 11 is a number of chaos. It's a change. So we actually go 11 times chaotically through all these degrees to end up exactly where we started. Because chaos is the ingredient that makes this all possible. Without chaos, this journey would never take place. The hero's journey, you have to have chaos. It's bred out of chaos. It's the substrate that the hero acts upon, right? The, the hero leaves order, go, and the entire journey is conducted in chaos. And it's when you come back to order that that moment is the beginning and the ending of the story. Those moments don't last. Like the beginning of the story doesn't last beyond the first page. The ending of the story doesn't last beyond the last page. Everything in between is the hero journeying his way through chaos. Excuse me for being a good Texan here, but I've got to bring in a Bible reference here because I love this. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking about, you know, the betrayal of Judas. And then what was there when what, there was the betrayal of, of Judas? There was 11, right? There was 11. And the number of completion came at 12 when who was introduced but Brother Matthias. Brother Dennis, that's actually Matthias, not Matthias. Brother Matthias, language is actually fluid and as is pronunciation. <laughs> so uh, now that I'm going to take the mantle of being an agent of chaos... Uh, I'd like to throw something else out there, which is, why don't we take these from being negatives to positives? Instead of authority, tradition, and tyranny of your own passions, let's replace it with liberty, equality, and fraternity. Liberty from authority, equality of all traditions and superstitions, and the fraternity that makes all tyrants obliterated. So then true freedom is not freedom from but it's freedom too, to act in such a way that you will the maximum of your action to become universal law. Thank you for listening to Legends of the Craft. This podcast is purely the opinion of brothers Matthias Concier and Axel Suvari and does not represent the official views of Universal Comesory. Universal Comesory is a Masonic order founded on the principles liberty, equality, and fraternity that admits men and women without distinction of race, religion, or creed. For more information, please visit universalfreemasonry.org.